Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Who Let the Dogs Out, a podcast where I chat life with cool people doing awesome things. Today, you'll hear from Hannah Kim, she, her, who we first met through Penn. You'll hear her talking a little bit about SoCal life, immaculate, silly, happy hours, Penn experience, being an extrovert with introvert hobbies, dating a willing accomplice instead of an active contributor, long-term partners, and more. Hope you enjoy. Do you have roommates or are you living alone? I have two roommates. I think I'm just forever a roommate person. That's fair enough. You vibe with them, though, it sounds like. Yeah, one of them's new, actually. She just moved in. But okay. I don't really know her yet. But I like my previous roommate. She moved out. I think a lot of people, like, eventually want to move in with their, like, partner or buy a house or whatever. But I like meeting new people, like, through housing and, like, living with new different people. And I think sometimes, like, it's really easy to have a shitty roommate. But <laughs> I've gotten really lucky. Man, I think I like the agreement that you get with a really respectful roommate. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Maybe you're just a better person and that's why you're lucky. <laughs> oh, that's nice to hear. So how did you meet that? Was it random online or? Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I found on Facebook and then the new one I also found on Facebook. That's cool. So SoCal, do you need a car to have the lifestyle you want? Yeah. Yes, you do need a car. You definitely need a car to go around. Yeah. I think living in Philly and going to New York all the time has really ruined my perception of how walkable this country actually is. Because <laughs> I realized that 95% of the United States is not walkable at all. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you can take a train and bus and go anywhere you want. That's what I thought I would be like forever. And then I come here and I'm like, Los Angeles is a huge city and there's no way you can get anywhere without a car. Yeah, that's bad. Are you finding it manageable though to meet new people, etc.? Because I feel like fewer people from Penn end up in L.A. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, it is harder. I feel like it would have been easier if I had lived in a city, but Fairbank is more residential. It's not as much of a city. So even compared to Los Angeles, which is not a walkable city, I feel it's relatively harder to be flood Irvine. But I feel I've strangely, like, ever since people graduated, it's almost easier to keep in touch with people now. Yeah. Because during college, everyone is so busy and, like, going 200 all the time. But now that people have better work-life balance, it's easier for me to text them and call them and just find time to catch up. So I think some of my college friends I've grown closer to since graduating, which is really cool. I also feel like I have found friends. I think I was impatient at first because I was like, if I worked in a big tech or finance company, I could just get a class of 50 kids my age that I would just hang out with all the time. But it wasn't like that for me. So I think at first it was really hard. But I did end up growing communities better here. I definitely also think that SoCal has its culture where a lot of families still live together. So it's very common to still live with your parents after you finish college, even while you're working. So I not only meet my friends, but I also meet their parents often. (laughs) Really fun and weird at the same time. And I just keep looking for new things to find more people in. So I, every time I have an opportunity to meet like a friend of a friend or like literally strangers and their friends, I try to. And not all of them stick into a strong community, but I still feel for Irvine, I'm doing a pretty good job of meeting new people as compared to other people who live in suburbs. So not as much as in a city, but still more compared to other people I think that live here. Yeah, I hear you. That's awesome, dog. I'm happy for you. That's cool. I really do like my personal life right now. I think it's really fun. 
do you think yeah. it'll stay in SoCal for a bit or do you think it's like temporary thing? And is it correlated? I'm going to live here for five years. I think that's the mark that I set for myself. And then I want to go to a completely different city. Imagine retiring here. I can definitely imagine retiring here. Yeah. But I think I need to live in a city again for another at least five, ten years. Cool. What do you miss the most about Penn or Philly? Oh, my God. I really miss four o'clock. You guys, you and your friends all walk downtown, take a septa, <laughs> to a happy hour place. You didn't eat lunch, so you're, like, fucking hungry. And you just drink in the cute little restaurant with these half-fried drinks and food. Yeah. And then afterwards, you get plastered, and you start walking your all over Philly while still buzz. Just circle around, look at the people around you, look at the city, and then eventually take an Uber or bus back home. Yeah. That vibe is just immaculate. I love happy hour. <laughs> Obviously, there's happy hour everywhere, but so many things exist in strip malls outside of cities. Yeah. But just the ability to go on a walk while you're getting dessert or while you have your boba in your hand, or just when everyone's super just in a good mood and there's the weather's nice. I always get ice cream with people here, and I'm like, oh, should we go on a walk? And there's nowhere to walk. It's just like the- so just that entire experience of no one has to worry about driving. There's nice places to walk. And every shop you go into is super cute and everybody can eat whatever they want. It's such a different variety of things you can choose too. Yeah. So that I really miss that specific four o'clock happy hour vibe in Philly. Amazing. And how did you end up choosing Penn for people who don't know you as much? Oh, that's a great question. I feel I've also been talking about this a lot with people. So when I was in high school, I wanted to go to a mid-sized good engineering school like a top-ranked engineering school at a mid-sized campus so there were a couple of things on my mind but i think my top choices looking back were either Penn, berkeley or usc which were all very similar looking back on it they have very similar vibes super obnoxious kids like good business school like very <laughs> very, very like pre-professionally minded kids and i did not i did, do not i still don't really con- okay I think Penn has transformed me into a very pre-professional person, but before college, I definitely not was not one of those people, and that was not a priority for me at all. I think I was just very intimidated by really small schools or really large schools, which is why I chose it. And I actually, I felt like it was more practical to go to a cheap in-state school or cheaper, like more affordable in-state school and get a job, do like an apprenticeship like after college and kind of have an easy college life basically. <laughs> I have an easy college life so I bought with my mom all the time because I was just like I just want to go to state school and she's like no you have to go to a good school like you get more like financial aid if you go to a like, bigger school and whatever and I followed her a lot about it but then my senior year I had this turning point sometime in high school where I feel like I've always wanted a really average life for a lot of my life because I was just yeah. like oh I don't get people who like software to have such a fancy life but then i realized it's really exciting to just like dream about new opportunities and be excited. <laughs> i'd like to have a lot of life and romanticized life and i think i had i started having like big dreams of what impact i want to like, bring to the world and whatever and then that's when my mom swooped in with like if you go to a really good college like you have a bigger impact on the world yeah. so i was like okay sure and of all of all the elite institutions i guess that i could that what had a good mechanical engineering program Penn was like the one that I thought, like the best one I thought I could get into because I lived near Philly. So I, so that's why I did and I got in. And Penn did not teach me the skills that you need to create a huge humanitarian impact on the world, which is really unfortunate. I was pretty disappointed, I think, in my college 
career about that specifically. But I'm still glad I went because I still feel it taught me to be around people who really push themselves. And I definitely took that for granted even during Penn because now that I'm out of um, Philly and out of the East Coast and even away from San Francisco where like people are like huge like driven people, that professional clout matters less than LA actually. It's more of the social clout that matters down here, which is also a good change of pace because I think hustle culture definitely took a lot of life out of me in college. But now that I'm here, I do appreciate people who are always intellectually curious and trying to learn more and push themselves in a different way. So I chose Penn because I thought it would help me learn ways to change the world. And it didn't. But I'm still glad about like the mind. I think there, you just have to have a moderate about that Penn energy of wanting to do the most. But I still have this idea of I want to do the most, but I also don't want to sacrifice any morals or my own mental health doing it which is what I've been learning to do as an adult and I think I'm doing a pretty good job of it so far I definitely killed myself a lot during work because I was like oh my god I'm not doing well but I think I'm better managing that now which I think it was good to be in SoCal for that reason wow that is some profound insights I love it so what do you think are the things needed to have a bigger impact on the world versus the things you learned at Penn I think Penn almost feeds you into a machine you learn how to be a really good leader in your smaller communities. I think probably 80, 90% of the Penn population probably held some sort of exact board position at some point, which is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And like that, I think mindset. So you learn how to be a really good leader in a certain setting. I think 90% of Penn kids can learn how to become PM because you've probably had an exact board position at some point. And if you've had an exec board position at some point, you already know how to be a PM. And they teach you how to write a really good resume. They teach you how to be really good at interviews. And they teach you how to network really well. Penn doesn't teach you, but they put you in an environment where like you meet people who teach you how to like ace a coding interview, a consulting interview, like a case study. And then you can place yourself in a really high paying position in finance or tech or consulting especially. So I think they set you up on a really nice path in that way. But I think Penn is really bad at helping you imagine alternate paths. Yeah. And alternate paths of, oh, how do you become just anything else? I think a lot of, especially in engineering, I feel like it was narrow, like what you could go into after college. I know some of the college kids like went into like work for the government and stuff like that. Well, just being anything other than a doctor and like an, like a tech leader or like a yeah. consultant or even a lawyer there's so many jobs in the world and i don't think it expanded my worldview at all and what is there out there in the world even yeah. out of pen grads they become actors and singers and stuff like that i feel like that kind of push doesn't exist totally so would you do it again knowing all of this i would do it differently what part okay maybe i would have to think i might go to a different school fair but if i went again it wouldn't be the worst i would be like oh my god you can't pay enough pay me enough money to go back it's not like that I would take a lot more creative writing classes. Are you doing more of that now, post-grad? I am doing more of that now. What do you like writing about? I love reflective writing. And I also love writing stories about kids in school and like high school. Not even school, but like college and high school. That are just like my experiences, but with aliases, basically. Because I, like I go through some like really funny stories and I love writing it as if it's not me. Yeah. Oh, um, no, no, like a really life. specific story. Yeah. Like, I like storytelling. I definitely like storytelling. 
So I do a lot of reflective writing and I do a lot of just short fiction pieces that are my funny stories. So like, I don't want to tell anyone it's my experience or just it's honestly, that's a way for me to reflect too. And I also have been trying to do more fantasy writing too. That's dope. You publish them or you keep it for yourself. A lot of them I publish. I have a blog where I publish some of my reflective writing because I think there's moments that where you feel like a changed person, right? Where I'm all like, I learned this from this experience. I feel like I'm a changed person. Like those yeah. things I really want to share with my friends. So those things I publish on my blog and I share it to my friends. I'm like, oh, what do you think about this? And so, the other stuff, I just keep in like a Google Docs folder and I just share it with a few of my friends that I want. That's cool. That's cool. And do you have siblings? I forgot. I have an older sister. Okay. Are you guys close? How has that relationship evolved over time? We all got closer after I moved. <laughs> we actually lived together in college for a semester. Oh, she really? Was at the same- yeah. And we, yeah. Are, we're so different. A lot of my friends still now don't even know I have a sister. And we grew up like twins because we were only like a year apart in school. And by the time we got to high school, we just were taking the same classes at the same time. So we would be studying for the same AP exams. And everybody knew everybody knew her sisters. We were in similar clubs. Yeah, of her friends knew me, like all of my friends knew her. So it was, we, were, we lived very intertwined lives. And I don't think we fought much um, in high school. But then once we, or like we started fighting more in high school, the more our lives got intertwined. And then in college, we just had totally different lifestyles and what we wanted to get out of college. And then that was also when I feel the types of friends my sister makes is very different from the types of friends that I make. So I, sometimes my sister thought I was, being like disrespectful to her as a friend because it's just like the way that I interact with my friends and that's how I would treat her and she would get really mad if I told her I was like I'll come at four like she would expect me to be like at her door at four but I'm just like oh I'm strolling in and she was just that's really disrespectful of my time and I was like everyone in college is late to everything what are you talking about and she's like that's how you operate that's really disrespectful Even stuff like that would lead yeah. into a lot of fights but after I graduated I had this like six to eight month gap where I was just living at home and that time was a lot calmer because I didn't have as many stressors. So I could be a more respectful sister. Yeah. And that time, and we also were processing a lot of our family drama together. So every time something happened, we'd be like, oh my God, did you hear about that? And I feel like I was just at a more mature age to talk about that with my sister. And then after that happened and I moved out, we actually kept texting. And like, I would, I just, I think I also became more respectful towards her. She would send me all these videos. I would not watch like, any of them. And then I started <laughs> watching them and giving her like feedback. Oh, that was really funny. So we actually had stuff to talk about now. And so now I feel more comfortable also telling her more personal stories. Yeah. I'm like, oh, like this, I like fought with my friend or this happened today at work when before I used to not tell her any of that. And now I do. So we've become like a lot tighter. So in that way, I, I do think that and sometimes having some distance from your family does help you bring like you, let you closer to them. So I feel like in college when we lived together, it was not the best environment. But now if hypothetically we were to live together, we would have a much better dynamic. That's huge, mate. Happy to hear. Well, how was that eight-month stint like? What else were you up to during that time? That was such... That was also a very transformative vibe. <laughs> I was at home with my parents and sister for eight months. It was early 2022. So that was still when there were like COVID waves happening in like different places. Yeah. So I thought I would be spending the eight months traveling into random places around the country. But I ended up just staying home because every time I try to go somewhere, some outbreak would happen and like my trip would get canceled. Yeah. It was really upsetting. And it was not the gap that I wanted at all. So I was really upset at first. But I, okay, so I always say I'm an extrovert with very introverted hobbies. 
because <laughs> I think when I'm with people, just being with people makes everything fun. So I don't have to stick to a specific hobby. But when I'm home, like alone, I have a lot of hobbies that I want to do and I like yep. to do. And mm-hmm. those things end up having to be things that I have to do on my own. So I did a lot of crafts. And that's also when I started reading again. So I started reading again. And I was like, oh my gosh, this I like enjoy this so much. I didn't know I liked reading these types of books. I feel I have a writer's block for like two years, but that released my writer's block. And I also did a lot of crocheting that I uploaded online. I always wanted to be like some type of influencer. And then I got a lot of followers like on TikTok after posting all my crochet videos. And that was really fun. And I graduated from it. I don't post on it anymore. But that was some of the most valuable times ever because it really taught me who I am when I'm alone. Because when you're in college, you're never alone. And when you're alone, you hate being alone. And you just can't wait until you're not alone. But I really learned how to spend quality time with myself and figure out who I am when I'm alone. And I think that's something that everybody needs to go through, which is also why people need to be like single at some point in their lives, the same reason, just figure out who you are. And I don't think I ever had that much time to just sit and think about what do I like outside of how everybody else sees me. And that actually made me like, is like determined like what I want to do with the rest of my life too. Especially moving to a new city. Like if I didn't have those hobbies, I would have been so depressed not having any fun on my own. But now even when I don't have any plans, like I can have fun like by myself too. So that was such a good time. That is huge. So are you single now? How do you think about dating? Okay. I'm assuming you haven't watched the Barbie movie yet. No. Okay. So I don't know if you're, okay. Let me just give like very light, not spoilers. I'll try not to spoil anything. Barbie is a very single independent woman in this movie. I don't know why she dates Ken in this movie, actually. She really does not give a fuck about Ken. It's very clear. And she lives in this, like, Barbie land where, like, all of her friends are girls. And the girls are all presidents and Nobel Peace winners and, you know, scientists and doctors. And they just spend the whole their whole day, like, having fun with each other and not caring about... There are Kens, but the Kens are kind of just there to, like, hype up the Barbies. And they live in this fantasy land where they get to do everything they want without pressures of anything. And I was, like, thinking, like, the friends that I have right now... I feel like we're all just Barbies living in our little Barbie land like bubble. We're like, we just have fun with each other without involving. I really have very few straight guys in my life right now. And like in general. And like, we just have fun. And that is really our prerogative. I feel like every time we get off of work, we're like, what are we going to do this week to have fun? Yeah. What are we going to do that like different that we didn't do yesterday? Yeah. And there's some of them I tried to date and didn't work out. And my friend was saying like, I was like asking to my best friend. I was like, oh, do you not like them? And she was like, actually, it's not even a matter of like me liking them or not. Like, they're just not interesting. And I was like, that's true. Like, I, I had a lot of fun with that person. But when I think about it, I thought of all of our dates. I thought of all of like our jokes. Like, I thought of all these things. And they were more of a willing accomplice than an active contributor. Yeah. So she was saying like, it's not you break up with someone. They're like, oh, you can find do, you can do so much better. And she was just like, honestly, cannot tell you that you can do better because most people in the world are boring. But she was like, I can tell you probably will have a more interesting life, like hanging out with other people than hang- hanging out with like, the rest of your friends and hanging out with this person exclusively for so much of your day. Yeah, I'm like, that is so true. I agree. I totally agree with that. So in terms of dating, we both agreed to let each other know if the person we're seeing is boring. Like, <laughs> definitely we need that. Good. So I think I don't think dating itself is bad. But I do think that 
when people get lonely especially they choose people who don't give them the life that they want because they just want companionship so maybe like some people like maybe do want a boring life and like they just want to settle but that's the life that they want and i know that's not the life that i want and i think it's really easy to find friends who want the life that i want or even if even if another person does prioritize fun in their life their definition of fun might be different from my definition of fun so someone who has the same level of creativity and like ideas and like new things that can expand my world and expand the type of experiences that i can have i think unless i find that person it's gonna be really hard for me to choose someone to be very exclusive and i think i have a lot of these profound thoughts because this is like all i was thinking about last week like that's all me and my friends are <laughs> talking about i feel like barbie right now i feel like barbie with like all our other barbies she's like living out of barbie land like living out like everything we want to do like being everything that like we want to be I love it. Now, I think that's such a core question during the 20s is who do we want to be and what do we like? And I feel the more that you can raise the standard of the alone time, it makes the time with other people better as well. And you're not settling. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. So, good. What other hobbies do you enjoy nowadays? I know you mentioned a few that weren't in your past, but any more people that are drawing inspiration? I feel like even the hobbies I have right now, taking that time. There's just so many that I want to do. My friend and I were trying to start pickleballing, but we still haven't even bought the racket. But <laughs> trying new food places is one. I've been really trying to roller skate more. I haven't bought a pair yet, but I really want to. You got to get those elbow and knee pads as well. We're getting yeah, I should. Huh? <laughs> I live so close to the beach, so I just want to roller skate down the beach. I really want to do that. Just lasting music. I've been trying to cook more often too. Cooking is itself is just fun too. I really like putting on an audiobook and then cooking. I like doing things that I can do two hobbies at a time kind of deal. You didn't lose your efficiency out of pen. It's not about efficiency. I just feel like understimulating. Like, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Definitely, I feel I've been using boring podcasts, or maybe not boring, just scientific podcasts as a way to help me sleep. But definitely, that's understimulating because it's literally putting me to bed. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like it's not, a lot of times when I just have an audiobook on, even if I really like it, I just start falling asleep. Yeah. What else is going on? That's facts. Do you want to do a quick lightning round? Okay, yeah. Bet. What is one thing you wish everyone knew? I have a lot of things I want to Feel free to share them all. You don't need to pick. I feel like people should know. Oh, wait. I have so many thoughts right now. I can't even pick one. Okay, I think everybody should know that manifestation and words actually work. Like, you become a bad bitch when you call yourself a bad bitch. You become smart when you call yourself smart. When you call yourself an honest person, you become an honest person. Like, my mom told me this too, like, when I was younger. I didn't really know what she meant. But, like, when you, like, externalize what, like, whatever energy you bring out is, like, the energy that you become. So I feel you don't have to, like, wait for changes. You don't have to wait for a glow up. You just say, I'm going to start my glow up now. And you just start going up. That's literally yeah. what happened. I love it. I love it. So what is the thing you've been telling yourself recently? Recently? Oh, so this is more specific, but ever since my dating attempt, and yeah. I've been telling myself that I'm a very good communicator. And I don't know if you know the whole thing about the anxious the attachment style yeah. or whatever. I've always seen myself as a, a anxiously attached person, yeah. which means I always have so many thoughts that become a lot for another person. But honestly, I think a lot of the straightforwardness I have is a form of communication. And yes, you don't want to like place a lot of blame on other people and you don't want to overwhelm other people. You want to like, give them time to prepare for a conversation. 
But just the fact that you want a conversation is just honesty. And just the thing that you're fine when you're not is not good for anybody anyway. Yeah. So I think the times where I feel like a really overbearing person, I've been trying to re reshape it as like, no, you're just a good communicator. And, and I picked this up too because someone else said this to me. The words that other people tell you also have power. So you want to be, I saw like this person kept telling me like, oh, you're a really good communicator. And in, in my mind, I was like, I feel like this is the bare minimum. But I thought about it, I was like, no, I am a good communicator. I think the more you hear that, the more like you also are comfortable with communicating with them. Hey, like this bothered me. Can you fix that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I like it. It's built on trust for sure. Yes, for sure. What are three things that you can't live without besides the necessities? Oh, white rice. Nice. I have to have white rice. If I eat out too often, I need to go home and make a pot of white rice. <laughs> you don't eat rice when you go out. Is it different? I think it's different. Oh, or sometimes you don't go to an Asian place and they don't yeah. get, like steamed white rice. If it's fried rice too, that doesn't count. I'm saying I have really enjoyed just jumping into bodies of water recently, just feeling water. So I guess my bathing suit or towel. You don't want to go skinny to me. I have done skinny dipping, but I need a towel. Some sort of like wetsuit material, I guess, to dry off. Oh, mattress. I can't couch surf anymore. I need a mattress. Yeah. I share a bed with people. Well, I need a mattress. I'm getting old. And if I don't have quality sleep, I can't, I just can't enjoy my day. And I can't get quality sleep if I don't have a mattress. That's back. Any content recommendations of any form? What have you been consuming? Oh my God. I literally started working on a list of content recommendations. I, it's, I try to keep it simple just because it's literally like pages of recommendations. But okay. Books. A memoir called To Be Honest. It's about a man who was raised with generations of like, brutal honesty but it turns out that like brutal honesty that he respected was just like another form of very conditional love so he like learns to break out that, of that cycle and learn social courtesy wow this is your brain on birth control when you were saying like one thing that everybody should know i almost thought about this it talks about all the effects on your brain that hormonal birth control has specifically on like cisgender women and that she basically was saying like you are your hormones like your values and your thoughts are your hormones so if you're going to be on birth control, you should at least be aware of what effects it has on you. The Anthropocene Reviewed, it's by John Green. It's like half memoir, half trivia book, where he reviews different parts of history and like human behaviors. But it's really, it's like an ode and like a love letter to like humankind. And it's so like sentimental and like, so did you read it? No, but that's definitely on my list. I think I'm going to read a page or two and then I need to get back to it. For this sure. is the book that I tell everybody to read. Like, I'm like, everybody should read that's all. Yeah. And then Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory. It's a series of short stories written by the same guy that created Bojack Horseman. It's a little bit brighter than Bojack Horseman, but it is. It, I can totally see the, like, he uses a lot of, like, imagery and, like, met metaphor, like, a lot of metaphors in it. And it's very deranged sometimes, but very funny, very realistic. Songs, Reputation by Taylor Swift. That album has just been going crazy. I think okay. it's the most romantic album in our discography, and I have a whole PowerPoint presentation I wrote about how, like, horny and obsessively romantic it is. Yeah, um, love it. Yeah, movies, Barbie. Everybody should watch Barbie. I tried to watch Oppenheimer, but everything sold out, so I'm just going to go watch Barbie again. Yeah, those are the biggest highlights that I think, yeah. Okay, those are my biggest. I love it. Big bookie out here. I do think that was a lot of our childhood enjoyment. And then we got the thing and it fucked it up. And now post-school, it's, oh yeah, I do enjoy that shit. 
Yeah, exactly. When it's not forced on you. Yeah, yeah. So different, right? That's dope. Cool. Anything you want to chat about today? Yeah, so I think when I was telling my friends about this, the life that can make you happy versus the life that can make you, like, satisfied, basically. It's just, yeah, it's your standard of satisfaction. So when my friend was going through a breakup, she was saying, like, I, I just don't understand why, like, my, like, ex can just accept me as a partner and accept, like, that maybe, like, I'm not exactly what he wants. And I was like, he just has higher standards of what he accepts as what she can work with, basically. Yeah. Like, some people really want a fine pizza, but they're going to get, like, a pepperoni pizza. And some people will accept that they're just getting pizza, and yeah. other people will be just upset that it's not pepperoni. And I guess, yeah, in some ways, like, your life might be more peaceful just accepting the pizza you have. But it's like, how upset are you going to get at not having the pizza that you want? Now, like, I want my exact pizza the exactly the way I, what I want it to not have any regrets. And I was like, I feel like you should at least go a little more in that direction too. Don't accept. Like, he was also boring. He's also too boring for you. Just because he's a nice boyfriend doesn't mean like he was a good boyfriend for you. Yeah. To find it's like the perfect pizza that you want. I like that analogy. Beautiful. Yes. How do you think people find what pizza they want and what happens when those requirements change over time? Let's say in five years, in a decade. I also thought about you don't know that's why you try new things right and that's why like they tell you to all like date different people i do think the more people you meet like the more you realize who like fits you well and i think especially that happened in college too right in high school you just found by like distance and then in college you actually choose the people that you want to hang out with and then i think the requirements changing is fine sometimes you date someone or you're friends with someone who serves you in your life at that time and you can outgrow the person or just look for different things later down the line or you have a certain job that fits you in that moment and you find another job later that fits your life better at that moment i don't think it's like we have to figure out what we're going to do for the rest of our life all the time i think what we look for is going to change hopefully if you mature your life changes a little bit and but just like in the moment right now you're spending like hours of very limited time and you want to live those hours living it the way that's going to make you happy and not regret it looking back you only have 80 years you know i be like oh i really wasted those three years like in this really miserable job that i didn't want could have gone for sure for sure yeah, i like it so maybe it sounds like in a relationship for you it's important that the other person also respects change to a certain degree is that what i'm hearing you know, that makes sense. But in my mind, I'm just thinking like, oh, I just break up with somebody. <laughs> Fair. You're on your barbie. I don't want my barbie. I feel like you outgrow each other. There's nothing you can do. Or maybe there is something you can do. But you can't just change to a different person if you start looking at Yeah, I think that's fair enough. You definitely can grow together. You can grow together and grow up into people that like, are good. I think marriage a lot of times works that way. But there are still people who can grow with you versus people who are just going to stop growing in the way that you want to. Yeah, I agree with that, for sure. So have you had close friends who have gotten married yet? Not close friends, actually. I know people who are getting married. But a lot of people around me that I know have gotten married at our age are people who have been dating since they're in high school. Yeah. And I think those people, I can respect why they're comfortable with being married. Because at that point, that person is your girl. Yeah. Like, you guys grew together, like, your whole life. If you still like that growth you're doing together, you probably can't really see growth outside of that person. So I can understand it. I don't think I personally would have chosen that life. 
plug. Yeah, I can talk we did it. Makes sense. So, for record of July 2023, you do you think you'll be married in the future? And if so, when? Literally until two weeks ago, I thought I was gonna get married, and then now I was like, now I'm like, okay, I, now I'm trying to marry that person that I was going on dates with. But yeah. after going on dates with this specific person, I'm like, maybe I won't get married. I'll be happy. <laughs> Because in my mind, the perk of marriage, you're just, like, legally bound to your best friend. I don't think your life partner needs your married romantic partner. Not that way. I think I will be married if it just coincidentally happens that best friend that makes my life better is also my romantic partner. I feel objectively, it's really hard to find that. Especially because once you're, like, romantically entwined with someone, you think that they're making your life interesting. You're very, like, much looking at them with a certain lens. So you think that they're the most interesting person in your life, but a lot of times, especially after you break up, you realize that they weren't. So in that way, if by coincidence, I would honestly be a very lucky person if that happened. If the person can make my life like the most interesting and can give me the life that I want, also happens to be someone that I'm romantically interested in, then I will be married. Otherwise, I would like to keep myself for sure. So do you think a lot of people get married prematurely based on that standard? Or do you think their standard is different? I think when people get married early, probably are convinced that this is the most interesting person they're going to get. Or that people think that their souls are intertwined or whatever. I guess I wouldn't know. Or people get married out of obligation. Or people just think that people just were raised in a very marriage-centered life and life yeah. society that's the end game and like they just got there earlier it sounds like we're just not in love right now that also might be it like it's really hard to i think especially for people like you just make their life so interesting like by themselves it's really hard to truly fall in love with someone because like why would you even yourself is just so much higher than like more interesting than the rest of the world i will say i feel like sometimes i think there's a trade-off to that and i think that's what i'm trying to figure out i feel as a crazy friend who i was attracted to but wasn't serving me as a partner whereas i feel like people who have served me in the past haven't been that interesting friend you know what i mean and that's what i mean especially at 24 the people who are within dateable age range for us are probably not that interesting if they're a good person and like, i like these crazy like some of my friends are crazy and they're so interesting i love hanging out with them I'm like, they would not protect me if I got into a medical <laughs> accident. You know, they're not the person I would go to. And I would want my married partner to be someone who I can rely on. Like, yeah. like that happened. I think that's for sure. But I also still have the hope that there's someone out there that finds this balance. And obviously, as I age as well, there's a difference in what I need from a partner. And so I don't know what that is. But right now, in my experiences, it feels like a trade-off. Oh, yeah. me, that's not really the right person. I know, but it's always, oh, if I could mash this part in this part of someone, like, boom. But it, it doesn't really... Yeah, no, I feel you. I find myself doing that a lot. It's almost like yeah. an angular bear. No, I want this yeah. and that. <laughs> I think it's also that we're young. I think girls are really raised to be super mature at an early age. And so, like, we feel like we could be responsible for another person. But a lot of other people, like, are not capable of especially if you're trying to get men they're just not capable of doing that until they're at a certain age yeah also i think it's a waiting game for them to mature and yeah into that like interesting person 
And also, this is also something that, like, okay, spoiler alert for the Barbie movie. Something that was like, in the Barbie movie. And I think a lot of men also find their value in a woman validating them. And just taking care after girls. Which makes them an interesting person, too. So I think a lot of men have a lot of single soul-searching to do themselves as well. I think, like, they think that self-improvement is, like, going to the gym, like, getting a good job, investing a lot of money. But it also is, what, what are your dreams and hopes and goals and what history do you want to leave on like other yeah. political power you know how do you want the people around you to feel when they think about you like that kind of stuff no i'm with you for sure that is such a core 25 year old question i just imagine the 30s being like golden ages in a four where people are more confident about themselves because they've searched a little bit and they know what to compromise on and not i think for me right now, I still don't really know what I'm willing to compromise on. But I yeah. think in your 30s, that'll be fire. You're like, once I turn 30, it's over for you, bitch. Yeah, if it's 30 and I still haven't figured out that shit, pop, pop. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do think... Yeah, I think, I think learning what to compromise on is actually really important. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about... Yeah, because some things you do have to compromise with Ella. And it's also, it's fine for you to compromise on it's not like fundamentally a bad thing to compromise. Well, yeah. it's like a catch-22 where you're not going to know how to be in a healthy relationship until you figure out these things. But in some ways, the only ways to figure out that thing is to date. Yeah, that's true. But dating and healthy relationship can be different, right? That's true. So maybe you can find it in easier ways. It's not to put it into MVP terms, but dating is just testing out the waters. And so here's this iterating. Like... You say, like, you need to meet a lot of people. I think about that a lot, too. It's just, like, I need to ask the net wide in terms of experiences, whether it's dating or not, just anything. Every problem in your life. Right? I need to see a lot to be able to form some opinion. Otherwise, it's just naive. Yeah. That's fair. Reading is also good. You see so many other relationships and what they yeah. compromise and what they don't. Absolutely true. So what other fun plans do you have for this weekend? Hopefully, I didn't take up too much of your Friday afternoon evenings. No, you did not. I feel this week is the first week I feel is not crazy in a while. The other part about living in SoCal is that everybody just travels to LA all the time. So I have people in town all the time, not even specifically to see me. They're just like in LA and they're like going to hang out. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I start taking them a tour around LA and Orange County and Irvine and everything. I'm wiped for the rest of the week. (laughs) I think my work this week is actually going to be a little crazy. This is the first week where it didn't feel crazy, but next week is going to start to be crazy again. So I think this is the first weekend where I have no plans. I'm just going to sit at home, do my laundry, catch up on sleep, read my book. And I'm really excited about that. Fire. I love it. Good to hear. This was amazing catching up a little bit. Time flew by with you. Yeah, that was a really fun conversation, even though I did most of the talking. <laughs> no, that was fun for me too. Don't worry. <laughs> That's what the podcast is for. It was that supposed to be me blah blahing all the time. <laughs> okay. It's really fun that you're doing this too. Yeah, feel free to check out any other episodes that piqued your interest. There's some pennies on there for sure. But I figured for me, moving a lot, it's good to be intentional about keeping up with people. And honestly, I think because I do move so much, it's more on my mind. I've been enjoying it. And I appreciate all you guys offering your time and going back to pandemic mode on Zoom, even though it's so painful. Yeah, of course. This is fun. I hope you have a good weekend too. Enjoy, enjoy. And that's a wrap for now. Hannah, everyone, see you in the next episode of Who Let the Dogs Out, a podcast where I chat life with cool people doing awesome things.